Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thank you for downloading this episode of Under Consultation, which features Super Mario Kart, a VR deathmatch, and triplets playing pinball. All of this has been made possible by people like you downloading and listening to the show, and by our wonderful backers on Patreon, who are currently listening to next week's show a week early and ad-free, and it's a special deep dive into Games Master Live. And you can listen to that show right now by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash under console pod and backing us at the five pound level. That's patreon.com forward slash under console pod. to the games rig this is under consultation an episode by episode podcast guide through the uk's greatest video game challenge tv show games master i am one of your hosts luke owen owner of an incomplete italian 90 sticker book and spraying it around in liberal doses i am ash versus more sticky <laughs> this episode aired on the 3rd of december 1992 our film at the top of the box office is a new entry it's of mice and men Tell me like you done before about them other guys in the barrage. Guys like us. They don't got no money in the world. Give us a hoot and hell about it. But not us, George. Tell about us now. Because? Because I got you. And I got you. I spend all my time telling you things and you forget them. I remember about the rat. I mean, you say new entry. It's, you know, the story of Mice and Men is not new. And this is another film which... I just forgot about the existence of. I mean, I know of Mice and Men. I'm aware there have been films of it, but I looked at this adaptation going, do I remember this? I mean, it's got Gary Sinise in it. I think the only reason I remember this film exists is because when I was doing my GCSEs, my English lit was, or the group of English lit that I was in was doing Lord of the Flies. But the other group that were doing English lids were doing Of Mice and Men. 
And I remember then telling me about watching this film. And that is the only reason I know that this film is there is because they read of Mice and Men for English Literature at GCSE and they watched the film, whereas I'd read uh, Lord of the Flies and watched the um, quite rubbish adaptation, actually, that uh, they did of that film in the 90s. Should have just watched Battle Royale. Would have been much more satisfying. <laughs> yeah. There's not enough conches in Battle Royale to be a, a true adaptation of Lord of the Flies. No, I don't have a suitable comeback for that one. Never mind. I think I missed... Those were the year before me, those books, because I did Billy Liar... Wow. And To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh, wow. That's a big old book. Yeah, To Kill a Mockingbird was great. Mm. I still love that. And the film with Gregory Peck is just phenomenal. But then they got me at A-levels. They stuck it to me because we did Mansfield Park. And if anything killed my passion for A-level English, it was Mansfield <laughs> sodding Park. I'm actually currently reading um, To Kill a Mockingbird for the first time because for Christmas, my brother and I had got my mother tickets to go see it at the theatre, the Aaron Sorkin one that they had mm. on, um, which has obviously now since been delayed. But I'd never read the book. So um, I was actually, I'm actually sitting down to read it for the first time at the moment. No, it's a, it's a cracker, and you'll un- finally understand the origin of the Boo Radleys. <laughs> I'm only going to tell this story now because we, I don't really have much else to add of, uh, of Mice and Men. But uh, when I was in English A-level, we, uh, we had to do um, uh, books about the First World War. So it was Birdsong and it was Empire of the Sun. Maybe it was World War II then. Uh, so it was Birdsong and Empire of the Sun and something else but i couldn't get into any of the books um particularly birdsong i really struggled with i, I just i just couldn't get just couldn't get to grips with it. i couldn't find any interesting thing it, couldn't, it didn't grip me which i you know because i'm uncultured and so i asked if i could do a different topic and pick out two different books to read instead for my coursework and my teacher said to me, well, what, what were you thinking then? And I just instantly off the top of my head was like, um, the portrait of heroin addicts in literature. Because I was just the night previous, I'd watched Trainspotting. So I was like, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll read Trainspotting. And I found a book called Candy, which also got ad- uh, adapted into a movie, which was also mm. about um, recovering heroin addicts. So I was like, I'll do those instead. And they had to take it to the English board. And they said, yeah. So I didn't have to do Birdsong and Empire of the Sun. And instead, I uh, did my English A-level on train spotting, which is a way better book that I absolutely loved. And I was stuck on Mansfield Park. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I did also get to do an A-level. This again, this is filler because, okay, what could... Let me just quickly get this out of the way. Of Mice and Men, uh, plot centres on George and the intellectually disabled Lenny, two farm workers who travel together and dream of one day owning their own land. The film explores themes of discrimination, loneliness and the American dream. Sinise was nominated for The Palm Door. It debuted in the States in October and got critical acclaim. But anyway, (laughs) we did Mansfield Park, which I hated. But then our kind of big second year of A-level English thing, uh, we did Paradise Lost. Oh, wow. Yeah. That was some heavy, heavy lifting. Yeah. But it's something I actually go back to. Mm. That and the selected works of Seamus Heaney, those are the things that have stuck with me from A-Level English. Yeah, okay. Who knew 
gaming podcast a-level English. Well, I mean, if we want to try and bring it back to video games, the book that I tend to read the most is Sonic in the Fourth Dimension, which was published by Virgin Books in 1993. Was Sonic a heroin addict? <laughs> Some might say. It was, he was addicted to speed, I can tell you that much. Oh, we'll get to that later in this episode. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. And kicking it at the top of the charts, it's Charles and Eddie. Would I lie to you? It's a good song. We kind of discussed it last week. There's not much more to say, really. Good, good song, mate. Uh, new releases this week in terms of games. Streets of Rage uh, got adapted for the Game Gear, Fatal Fury for the Super Nintendo, and Tiny Toon Adventures 2 for the NES. Uh, I actually played the Game Gear port of Streets of Rage uh, in the lead-up to recording this episode. Pretty decent. Um, and I spent quite a few hours playing Tiny Toon Adventures 2 on the NES, and it is hard as balls. It's really, really difficult. It's basically, you go to a theme park, and there's just various little mini-games, and you've got a certain amount of tickets, and if you beat the games, you get other tickets to go and play the other games. And I spent a few hours playing the train level where you play as Hampton J. Pig, and it's a dodging game where, like, you know, you have things attack you and you sort of knock, knock them out of the way and you try not... It's a, it's a you know, it's a scrolling thing and you've got to try and get to the end. But you've got three hits and there's no health at all given to you throughout the level. And then you've got to face the boss at the end. And the boss has a random pattern, as far as I can tell. And I wish I still had the patience of someone who would have played this in 1992. Because as a man who is nearing 35... I did not have the patience that when I got to the end boss, which does take you about five to six minutes, and I died right away, and then you got to go right back to the start again and try and do another five to six minutes to get back to that boss again. I did not have the patience to fully commit to it and finish it, although I think I probably could. But that was about the only one where I think I could have actually beat the level. It's pretty nails, but that might just be because I'm rubbish. See, if you don't have the patience for it at 35, I'm approaching 40. <laughs> I'm aware that the clock is ticking. I'm like, if I can't complete this in two, three goes max, move on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, Ash, what are they saying up in the magazine? A couple of small items caught my attention this time round, one of which is to do with a new game coming out, but the other of which actually ties in nicely with something we were talking with Guru Larry about, because he mentioned that at the time he applied to be on Games Master, he was already an import gamer. He had the NTSC copy of Joe and Mac. Hmm. And CVG listed a number of mail order companies that you could order import games from. But it was nerve-wracking, particularly given the money involved. And CVG did something to assuage people's fears. They wrote, Every so often we get letters from people worried about buying software mail order because of the risks involved. If you're one of them, watch out for the CVG recommended logo in the magazine. This is our seal of approval. And to earn it, the mail order company must have a proven track record in fast, reliable service. It's our guarantee of quality, so remember to watch out for it when buying all your stuff. And it had a little seal that they'd done that could appear on the adverts. Nice. And I wish I'd noticed this at the time because I had a hell of a time persuading my parents to, like, allow me to use their checkbook or credit card <laughs> once I saved up my money toward anything import. Because I had an action replay for the Super Nintendo, so I did occasionally get those import games. But man alive, I had to wait for them to appear secondhand in a local game shop or yeah. something. Mail orders didn't really happen. But a game that completely skipped me by that I wish I'd known about at the time was a Motorhead game for the Amiga and the Atari ST. Okay, so when you say, uh, is this almost like the, the, the Aerosmith game that they had on the PlayStation? Or is this, or is this like 
a platforming game starring Lemmy. It's somewhere in between. It's described more along the lines of Golden Axe. Whoa! And it's based on our heavy metal heroes, and they're going through various levels like Karaoke Land and Rave Land and basically metalling up the place and rocking around. And I read this and I'm thinking, this sounds great. This sounds brilliant. A scrolling beat-em-up clone with Lemmy and one would hope some appropriate chiptune versions of Motorhead classics. So you boot it on up on the Amiga emulator. It's Oh, no. I was about to say I might fire this up on the old emulation after we're done. The game puts you in charge of Lemmy, who, it's been suggested, has awoken from a night on the tiles, and basically he got blackout drunk. And he goes through a bunch of genre-specific stages and foes, karaoke, country music, rap, and goth, and is essentially going to rescue his bandmates who've been abducted. And there's a bunch of enemies and boss fights that are taking off other characters. There's one that riffs on Dolly Parton. There's another that looks a lot like Robert Smith of The Cure. Right. In true Telemi fashion, and possibly the most accurate thing in this game, to restore your health, you have to drink. Right, okay. And that, that is true to it. But, unfortunately, it's... Yeah, that's a shame. I know. And I just feel this was such a missed opportunity. I can't believe I read a magazine from 1992 and played a game from 1992 and 1993 (laughs) and experienced this level of disappointment 20-odd years down the line. It was heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. But the most baffling thing of all about this game, it was fully licensed and Lemmy even gave permission for his likeness and rights for the band to be used. Yeah, well, maybe it's just one of those licensing deal things that you just sort of you just sign and you don't actually see the final end product or anything like that, or really care about what that final end product is. They just went to the Rainbow at four in the morning because he used to like to hang out there, mm. and they probably just went, "Oh, can you sign this, Mister Lemmy? Is that an autograph?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> and that's how the game happened. Thank you, thank you, Your Majesty. Glad you could make it. All right, love. All right, quieter down now. We've got a show to do. All right, welcome to Games Master, where other shows give mere spurts of entertainment we spread around in liberal doses. It's not just a TV show for our viewers. We actually ship them out here for a seven-day stay. Here they enjoy offshore breezes, hearty agadoo sing-alongs, and the chance to find that elusive gold sticker for their Italian 90s sticker album. Oh, Dominic Diamonds, uh, thanks the Queen for coming. Apparently she's in the audience today. It's a rowdy old crowd, and it made me think, you know, when we were speaking with Guru Larry last week, and he said that like earlier in the day the crowd are dead rowdy, and then they just get more quiet as the day go on. This feels like it's a brand new crowd. This is the first thing they're seeing recorded because they are like throughout this whole episode are pretty loud and verbose. They've just got a fresh batch of sherbet dip dabs in and they are mainlining them because there is a sugar rush. Yeah. Dominic genuinely struggles to get them under control at a number of points in this episode. Yeah, they go mental for the celebrity guest this week. Which is somewhat surprising because honestly, he really doesn't deserve it. (laughs) Last week's is more deserving. Yeah. 
Dominic says that other shows will give you just spurts of entertainment, but they spray them liberally. Uh, so enjoy the sea breezes, uh, sing-alongs of Agadou, and you might even get that golden sticker from the Italian 90 sticker book. Did you have uh, any sticker books where, around this period of time? I had all sorts of sticker books around this time. I'm fairly certain that the Italian 90 one was one of the few ones I actually managed to complete. Nice. Because one, swapses were rife, and also at that point, I still had a fairly doting nan. Okay, yeah, yeah. I used to frequently spend my Saturdays at my nan's because my parents worked at the weekends. And so I would usually get a couple of packs of stickers around that time. So yeah, so Italia 90 was one of the few ones I did complete, but so many of the others just went completely unfinished. I don't think I ever completed a sticker book in my life, to be honest. Uh, I, I certainly didn't complete because I had the, I think it might have been Premier League 95 and 96 sticker albums. I don't think I did either of those. I didn't do any of the World Cup ones. Um, but funny enough, actually, like, the other night uh, in bed, for whatever reason, I just picked up my iPad while my wife was trying to have a very serious conversation with me about moving house and I just went to eBay and just searched for uh, Sonic the Hedgehog merchandise from early 1990s and I found someone selling like 120 unopened packs of the sticker collection and I <laughs> my wife was like no we're not gonna find i was like oh she noticed you'd stop listening by that point i was like oh look at this so she's like no and i was like oh but i could get 120 packs of unopened stickers how much did they want for it i can't remember how much they wanted for it now it was something like 20 odd quid or something oh mate that's a fucking steal I definitely... you'd complete the album on that yeah i definitely would have done it I'll be honest, if I wasn't going to buy those uh, Games Master Sugar Puff things that that guy was also selling on eBay, if I wasn't going to buy those, I don't think I'm going to buy the Sonic the Hedgehog stickers either. And I'm more likely to have bought the Sugar Puffs Game ba Games Master thing. I mean, come on, you could have written off the Games Master stuff as a tax-deductible <laughs> research. This is what your Patreon money pays for. At the moment, your Patreon money pays for stuff which is going back to you guys, which is... I guess how it's meant to work, I think. <laughs> I don't know. This is all strange. I'm old. I don't know what's happening anymore, Luke. Well, speaking of being old, let's play something brand new and find out what that is from the Games Master. Welcome to the Games Rig for another batch of video game teasers. For tonight's first spree, I thought we might go racing on Mario Kart. The evening's premier contestant needs to win the Mushroom Cup, the first race on the 100cc class. A little tip. If you acquire a red Cooper shell, don't hesitate to hurl it at your opponents, as it will cause mayhem on the track. <laughs> Most amusing. Rev up, please. Holy sh! We're playing Mario Kart. Shut the front door. I only wish this challenge was better. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I thought this would be a two-player challenge. I would actually, but I wonder if it's because like this is probably a um, production cart, which means it's probably really only got that one track on it, and and probably just the one-player mode, which is why the two-player option isn't available. It could have been a production car if that is what stopped them having multiplayer action on this. God damn it, because if they'd had even just a two-player race, this game would have looked 20 times better. Yeah. Because one thing you can definitively say for that first Mario car is having the screen split in half like that, it's not a great look. Mm. They did it from a technological standpoint. I get that. But also... That's half the screen you're losing. Yeah. 
and carting around with Mario and his Menches tonight is a young man from Kingston. Please welcome Peter Walter. Hello, Peter. Now, Peter. Peter, this is this is a drive. This. All right, thank you. This is a racing game, Peter. Do you drive yourself? Well, not at the moment, no, but hopefully in a couple of years. Hopefully in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, who, you can choose different characters on this. Who have you plumped for tonight? Well, I'm going to be a Cooper Trooper, which is a sort of turtle person. And what's, what's good about him? Well, he can corner well, and he's got the speed to overtake people, so it should be all right. So you've got to get around the first race in the Mushroom Cup, and 100cc. And Games Master suggests if you get the red shell, don't hold on to it. Rev up, please, and get rid of it. Uh, Carding around is Peter Walters playing this game. And this is where Dominic has to calm down the crowd once again and <laughs> asks Peter if he's, already got, if he's already got a driver's license. And, you know, Peter, who is seven, says, no, I haven't yet, maybe in a few years. Yeah, 12. 12's a good one. Yeah. Or, you know, he just starts joyriding at around age 10. We're in the appropriate era for joyriding. Whatever happened to joyriding, Luke? Is it due a comeback? I don't know. We've got a Discord now. We're old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But he's a smart kid, clearly, and he knows his onions because he's picked the Cooper Trooper, who's a good all-rounder on the original Mario Kart. So that's a very smart move. People always seem to think that Mario and Luigi are the all-rounders. No, 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 no. No, no. No, Cooper is where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. That's the fight one. If I can't get Cooper, I'm going Toad. Yeah, 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 Toad's a smart choice. Tim Boone, main man at NMS, is with me at the side of the racetrack. Again, Tim, welcome. Dominic, hello. Now, Tim, any tips for young Peter here? Yeah, he's picked the Cooper Trooper, who's one of the sort of bad guys of the race, a little bit heavier than most, but he's got a lot of power. And if he uses a bit of patience, he can really steam along. But my best piece of advice, really, is cheat whenever you can. Okay, some wise words from one of the bastions of British industry there. Uh, Tim Boone is in the booth for commentary. Tim says that he's heavier than most in reference to Cooper, which I'm not sure is... I don't know, because he's certainly not on the same level as like Donkey Kong or Bowser or anything like that. I'm wondering if he had a little bit of a brain fart, and when he was thinking of Cooper, he was thinking of King Cooper, because Bowser, King Cooper, parallels there. Totally. And they just left it in because... Mm. Yeah, well, you get one take of these sorts of things. Um, says that you can get your power until ups you have two or three. <laughs> yeah, get your power ups to get past people, and you want to get past people early on and cheat where possible. And unfortunately, Peter doesn't quite take on a lot of this advice. And he does say that the Cooper Trooper is the best at taking corners, but he doesn't show off those skills during this race because he balls up that same corner over. And and you know which corner it is as well. It's that first big banking corner on this track. He goes into the gravel every single time time well i don't wish to dunk on the kid particularly as he was playing either a production or a very early import version of the title he kind of ballses up most of the corners by not taking his finger off the accelerator that's exactly it he doesn't break and he also doesn't do the little hop trick which is actually pretty good to get those tight corners in Mm. so he's taking those corners wide because he just is all over the place and the fact that the race ends up being as tense as it does is something of a miracle. Yeah, well, I think it also shows just how easy Super Mario Kart can be on 100cc, particularly in those early races, because he is battling between third, fourth and fifth for the majority of this race until he gets into the final lap where he is tailing Luigi and he, you know, he's in second. And it's that final corner and he's got a red shell and he fires it, which is the right move. It's what Games Master suggested. But Luigi had a star, a bloody star in first place. You wouldn't get that in modern day Mario Kart. He has a star 
and that just means that the red shell bounces off of him. And even then, he is whiskers away from actually winning this. But Luigi wins very unlucky. It was really close, but his corner taking was quite bad. I feel bad for him because, as we know from previous challenges, people get coached for some of these challenges. And at no point did anyone backstage go, hey, mate, that button's break. Yeah, right. And like, it's not a game that he would have had at home because, you know, this game is released in August in Japan, September in the US. This is being filmed either around that time or before, which means it's not out in the UK. So at most, he'll have had uh, you know, at the afternoon to play it before his challenge. One thing I realised watching this, and I went off and I played some more Mario Kart for the snares, and I played a little bit of Versus with my partner. This game is actually not that good. Mm, yeah. It hasn't aged well, partly because Mario Kart has grown so much since. For me, Mario Kart 64 is top dog. Yeah. I still enjoy some of the more modern ones, but Mario Kart 64 is where it was at. Whereas this game, the graphics, they are glitchy. There's a certain charm to the sprites, but the tracks are actually really, really hard to navigate because it's using Mode 7, which is still technologically impressive of what they achieved at the time, but it everything is on a flat. There is no concept of 3D. The only sprites that stand up on the track are you and that's yeah. actually because technically you're not turning around the track the track is turning around you that's how mode 7 works the, the plane rotates around you you are static which is why my boss or my you know, i say my boss my friend ollie like he's one of my best friends in the world he can't play the game because he gets really bad motion sickness he uh fun fun fact for you once got seasick on a pedalo um he uh so he just cannot play mario kart like we played it in the office once and he says I, I've, I've got to leave the room he had to go out and had to just walk around in the fresh air for a little bit with his head down because it just made him feel so sick oh poor bugger yeah and that's again because the, your your character is not moving that everything else is just moving around you the one thing that i think really indicates this could be a pre-production cartridge though other than a first place racer getting a star yeah that's unusual is the banana skins mm. now i've had two banana skins in a row i've maybe had three but dear lord this poor sod banana skin banana skin banana skin banana skin not even a mushroom speed power-up went his way no yeah he got very unlucky with those power-ups i went to super potato in akihabara when i was in japan and they had you know they sort of like uh, they, they just had like super nintendo setup but they were essentially not model ones but they were just test machines so you could just go in there and just play they were basically what i would assume would have been in stores around japan in the early 90s mm. they would have just been like here you go here you can play this one race and then that's it and then the race ends i'm almost thinking it might be something along the same lines as that yeah a quick little demo yeah. to the point of did he even choose cooper or was cooper the only character he could play <laughs> well i can see the, the one that i played in akihabara you could choose your character no all right they're getting a little bit carried away you know it's the excitement we understand all right thank you that's quite enough all right now peter you had a brilliant start you tore off the grid there you're so close look at that 13 hundredths of a second but what, why did you lose those 13 hundreds? Well, basically, I, I was battling for th against third and fourth, and I got past them in the end. And at the end, I actually could have won because I had a, a red tortoiseshell, which is a bit like a homing missile. 
But unfortunately, uh, Luigi was invincible. So I could have just got him at the end, but I shot it too early. That's the story of my life there, Peter. Uh, but Dominic Diamond again has to quiet down the crowd because they're just too excited. He even says, that's quite enough. There were one, there were a thirteen hundredth of a second between him and first place. Uh, and he points out that he would have won because he had the red shell, which is based like a homing missile, but he shot it too early. And Dominic says, yep, that happens to me sometimes. <laughs> that kid did not know what he was saying and Dominic must have just been home run. Yeah, it was right there for the taking. This week, gear shafts, burning rubber, and lots of oil. No, it's not Frank Bob's boudoir, it's driving games. First up, slip inside three of the world's fastest motors for an ample portion of speed in Test Drive 2. The graphics are extremely jerky for the Super NES. I mean, this machine has got some of the most advanced custom chips in it, and they're just not being used in this game. The way the cars handle is very, very poor. I mean, they sort of slide about, and when they slide about, the sound effects sound like a load of dogs barking down the bottom of the drain pipe. I thought it wasn't that bad, although, uh... It was more interesting when you're driving in severe weather conditions with manual gear change, but isn't it always the way? It's racing games this week, follows on quite nicely from Mario Kart, and we're kicking things off with Test Drive 2 for the Super Nintendo. Uh, reviewing games, we've got Paul Anglin from CBG, Jazz Rignall, and Myth Moore, who's a rally driver. I cannot find anything about her. No, neither I. I spent a good amount of time. The only Myth Moore I could find is a comedian slash comedy producer who doesn't look to be the same person. Oh, okay. Or if they are, they've changed a lot and have removed all mention of rally driving from their bio. Yeah. But there are some surprising things in this review segment. Not only is Jazz Rignall looking moderately happy, but the segment opened with a Frank Boff joke. (laughs) (laughs) Because Dominic opens it, saying that this week it's huge shafts, burning rubber and lots of oil. No, it's not Frank Boff's boudoir, it's driving games. Do you know the Frank Boff story? I don't think I do. This was actually old, even then. This was 1988. He was sacked by the Beeb because, essentially, he went to a bunch of sex parties, took a massive amount of cocaine and indulged in some cross-dressing. And apparently that sort of thing was frowned upon at the BBC (laughs) for mysterious reasons. It caused quite a sensation at the time. He had a squeaky clean image. He was the front man for breakfast. He was on sports television. And that killed his career for a little bit. Thankfully, ITV had no such qualms about cocaine and Vice Girls because they hired him. Well, actually, it was LWT. It was London Weekend Television. (laughs) They hired him. And he fronted 6 o'clock live through till 92 but he was also on the Rugby World Cup and he even moved to Sky TV for a while. Essentially, all it did was cost him his job at the BBC for a brief period of time and make him the punchline of many jokes including this one. Yeah, well, that's how it is on TV. You just sort of fail upwards. And this game sort of feels like it's not really taking good full advantage of the Super Nintendo, which is what Paul says. The graphics are very jerky for the Super Nintendo, like the FX chips aren't really being used. Jazz Rignall says that the sounds are more like dogs barking, and Myth doesn't think it's too bad. The most interesting thing is when you're driving in worse conditions, but isn't that always the way? 61%. As I'm now trying to do, I did pick up this game and play it for a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah it's pretty sh- yeah okay this is not one of those hidden gems this is not like river city ransom this game is just poor next up don your overalls for dirt track shenanigans in super off-road boys this is one for you if you fancy being lured to another level by a busty blonde stroking your trophy i was interested to see how they actually crammed the tiny sprites down to the game gear and what they've actually ended up doing is scrolling the screen as you move around and it works it works really well all the fun all the thrills all the power-ups are there to be enjoyed 
no fraud. It's really good. Up next, it's Super Off-Road for the Game Gear. Myth says that it's good if you like Busty Blondes luring you to the next level by stroking your trophy. And it's it's lines like that that make me think that maybe it is your comedian person that you found and they just credited her as a rally driver to uh, put a reason why she was there as opposed to comedian. Anyone listening? Because we have some very diligent listeners. They're really great at pointing us towards people that either were on the show or related to people on the show. But if one of you guys knows if the Miff Moore in this episode is the same as the Miff Moore that uh, used to work for the BBC and was the UK controller of comedy and all that stuff, let us know. Time has passed. And so it could be the same person. It might not be. Who knows? Who knows? But she makes an interesting talking head, if nothing else. I think she's quite good in this review section, actually. Uh, as is Jans, who says that this game, and it really does look is quite impressive for the Game Gear. He says that they've managed to scale it down for the portable device. And uh, Paul says that it has all the thrills and power-ups. Overall, it's really good. 84%. Game Gear and the Master System, they're firing on all cylinders at the moment. It's amazing. I mean, they are firing on all cylinders, but in the case of the Game Gear, they fire on all cylinders for 45 seconds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you need batteries or a really long extension cord. <laughs> Finally, rev up your monochromes for a portable play with Jeep Jamboree. The graphics are neat, and the way the car handles takes a bit of getting used to it. It seems like it's sliding all over the place, but it actually handles quite realistically. The game wasn't very challenging at all, really. <laughs> Come on now, settle down. The landscape's all a bit samey though, although the graphics are quite nicely detailed, you get more characters to the power than you do in Test Drive 2, for instance. Jeep Jamboree is a welcome breath of fresh air. And up last on the Game Boy, what sounds like a WCW pay-per-view from the mid-90s, it's Jeep Jamboree! Jan says that it handles very realistically, and Miff says that it's simple, and then just loses herself, giggles a lot, Dominic Diamond has to tell to get her act together, and then goes on to say that the graphics and layout are better than Test Drive 2, and Paul calls it a breath of fresh air, once again, 84% for the handheld. It's an impressive looking game for the Game Boy. Racing games were never going to be their forte. But yeah, it looks great. It also had a fair old raft of options. You even gave you the option to choose between miles per hour and kilometres per hour. Mm. Mm. International. <laughs> and yeah, you could turn various elements of the heads-up display off and on, whether you could see the map, whether you had the kind of the indicators of where the other races were. It's not a bad game. It deserves its score. I remember playing it at the time. I don't think I owned it. I think this was one of those playground swapsy right, during yeah, lunch yeah. break and then you give it back in the afternoon kind of games. But it's stuck in my head a bit. Hmm. Still, time to go over to this week's feature. Oh, wait, no. No, we haven't got a feature this week. We uh, got too much time to spend on Catch the Flag, I guess. So let's find out from Gamesmaster a little bit more about that. It is with considerable excitement that I introduce my second challenge for the night's symposium, Catch the Flag. Two warriors will fight it out in a head-to-head -head battle over three minutes. The object is to inflict as many hits on your opponent as possible. And an array of weapons, such as axes and crossbows, can be picked up to facilitate this task. Good luck. Yes, we are playing Catch the Flag, and Gamesmaster's excited about this one. So it's essentially, it's a virtual reality shooter, and you're not actually playing Catch the Flag. What you're doing is you're shooting each other with crossbows, and it is like full-on VR. They've got the rigs where you have to stand and move around in, the big chunky headsets that you put on so you can speak to Gamesmaster. This is this is the virtual reality that z Wright was taking us through in Seattle and Bad Influence. Absolutely. This is the reality of fiction's lawnmower, man. It's a lot less smooth. It's a lot more clunky. 
and no one is getting laid <laughs> at all. For this challenge, Oxford lad Andy Thompson wanted to be pitted against a real celeb and a half. Well, we've complied and it's Australian soap opera teen sensation time. You may know him as Ryan from Neighbours or Simon from Home and Away. Tonight he's playing himself. So please welcome Andrew Thompson and Richard Norton. All right, Andy. Now, first of all, Richard, thanks very much for taking time off. I know you've got a busy schedule. When you've got a little break, what, what games do you like to play? Well, uh, I've tried Sega Mega Drive, yeah, like Sonic the Hedgehog and, uh, and Road Rash is the other favourite. Like yeah. a bit of speed then. Yep, Richard. down the line, yeah. <laughs> now, what about this virtual reality malarkey? Well, I've had a couple of goes, but uh, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. Very tricky. Yeah. All right, well, listen, let's hope we do well tonight. Let's go on to your opponent now. Andy, I know you're an Oxford United fan, so you're used to living in the realms of fantasy, yeah? Well, I don't think that's quite true, Dominic. I think you find we're tough and aggressive in the true spirit of English sporting tradition. Uh, yes, quite. We've got Andy Thompson from Oxford, and he wanted to take on a celebrity who is a guest and a half, and he sort of gets it here. It's Ryan from Neighbours slash Simon from Home and Away. It's Richard Norton, and our third bloody Neighbours star on this game show. What the hell's going on? If it was the BBC, it would make sense. If it was ITV with Home and Away, it would make sense. Channel 4 had Brookside. Yeah, well, Richard Norton would end up being in Brookside. Well, he was over here on another four-year work visa, wasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is a guy that's already done the double. He's already worked in Ramsey Street and he's already worked in... Uh, something Bay. Summer Bay. Summer Bay. I was so close by saying Something Bay. Most of the time, I fact-check this stuff... This time, I'm not going to bother because I literally do not care about Home and Away. But he's already done the double, and in both occasions, he left under a cloud. He stropped off of Neighbours. He was written out because he was complaining that he wasn't being used well enough. He went over to Home and Away, where in the, I think, Home and Away annual, he actually slammed Neighbours, saying that was just a job, but this is something I love to do at Home and Away. Crikey. And then he stropped off of that one as well. And if you want to know where your career goes from there, his character in Neighbours has a Wikipedia page. His character in Home and Away has a Wikipedia page. He does not. No, he does not. Have a Wikipedia page. And that is a career fall. Yes. But he is our celebrity this week. But, you know, he is a gamer at home. He's got a Sega Mega Drive. He's got Sonic and he's got Road Rash. He likes a bit of speed. Yes, right down the line, apparently. (laughs) You know, knob gags aside, that is the joke that I have been the most shocked by this season because a little bit of the old nose candy type jokes, that's that's a, that's a fair old reach. And uh, Dominic Diamond feels very comfortable here because he falls back into a role that we haven't seen since episode one of series one, where he can dunk on someone's football team. Uh, and he's dunking on this lad for being an Oxford United fan. And Andy, on the other hand, takes Dominic's comments to heart and be like, well, actually, we're, we're quite a good team. We've got a lot of heart and a lot of, a lot of soul. It's like, all right, Andy, it's, it's, it, all right, it doesn't matter, mate. They are tough and aggressive in the true spirit of the English game. And I'm like, mate, have you seen our international performance? They're really not. (laughs) Now, while our two competitors get to grips with their helmets, if you'd like to see if the London Road bravado of Andy Thompson could tackle the Antipodean might of Richard Norton, join us after the break. In the old days, the words polo on a cool, refreshing, minty polo were painstakingly carved by hand. 
These days, of course, it's all done by machine. Polo, the mint with the hole. Rev up for split-screen action on Super Nintendo. The race is on in Super Mario Kart. Each driver has his own technique. Each track, its particular dangers. Cut the corner, jump the barrier, but watch out for the driver behind. Skill alone will determine the winner in Super Mario Kart, only on Super Nintendo. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of Under Consultation. Still to come, the Consultation Zone and Triplets playing pinball. And all of this has been brought to you in part by our awesome backers over at patreon.com forward slash underconsolepod. They've already heard this episode and are now currently listening to next week's special bonus episode looking back at Games Master Live 1992. Hear stories from those who were there at the time and even those who worked there. It's a lot of fun and you can hear it right now over at patreon.com forward slash under console pod or click the link in the show notes full of enjoyment your whiskers cat and whiskers is full of extra enjoyment too now there's new whiskers crunch specially made to add crunch to his whiskers and to stay crunchy and tasty so you enjoy his whiskers even more cats would buy whiskers Welcome back. Tragic Oxford United fan Andy Thompson is about to take on our special guest, home and away neighbour star Richard Norton on Catch the Flag. With me in the commentary box is Stephen Bethlehem. Welcome, Stephen. Good evening, Dominic. Now, Steve, they don't actually have to catch the flag in this game. Just no. knock seven shades of shushi out of <laughs> each other. That's right. Any tips for them? Well, strategically speaking, they both need to head for the crossbow, which is in the centre of the arena. There is one each. 
Uh, and obviously with that, they can take each other on without any of this messy hand-to-hand -hand business. But they can also perform quite well with a chopper nonetheless. So I've been told. Dominic Diamond calls Andy a tragic Oxford United fan. We've got Stephen <laughs> Bentley. <laughs> well, we haven't had that since episode one of Games Master as well when he was taking on the Fash. I can't remember what team he was behind then, but he called in the, oh, Ipswich. He said tragic Ipswich fan. Stephen Bethlehem is in the box with him. He said this isn't about getting the flag. It's about beating each other up and says that there are crossbows there, but Dominic assures us that they can also use their choppers if they want uh, most kills win this does raise the question of why is it called capture the flag the game is called catch the flag right but then yeah, it's not even capture the flag so yeah catch yeah. the flag but the, so the game's called catch the flag but they probably also had this was just a bonus mode in there which games master thought was funnier to put on tv or maybe they just realized that they weren't going to get these two to actually do the proper catch the flag mechanic so they went let's just have them kill each other for a couple of minutes and i would argue that it probably would make for more compelling television than uh them trying to them struggling to get the flag and get back across because it's not that great when they're trying to kill each other either because this is early day vr and it is it's jerky as you say it was clunky and it's they don't really sort of know what to do there's a one point where they're standing right in front of each other in point blank range and are still missing this is not this isn't a long challenge but it's feels like a long challenge it does have a few unexpected moments including when you fire the crossbow eight times a pterodactyl appears yeah lifts you up into the air and insta kills you which i guess is a way of stopping people becoming overpowered mm. but interestingly they didn't count those kills no that's why I, I wasn't sure if they did insta kill i thought they might have just dropped them like just dropped you into a different place I they did but the fall killed you oh right okay and then you respawned again yeah I was going to say, because they didn't count up those kills. Um, I mean, Andy gets the first one with his chopper. Um, Andy gets stuck behind a pillar at one point to keep missing each other. Richard gets a kill. They both kill each other at point blank range. There's still one minute and 20 seconds of this to go. And then time seems to stop and Andy gets another kill with just 10 seconds to go. So there is a minute and 10 seconds of this where there is nothing happening aside from the pterodactyl. And I think that Richard got a bit stuck, uh, whether his VR thing broke or whatever, because his character is just standing there still, like not moving whatsoever. And then with one second to go, Rich takes the head off Andy as it ticked over into zero. Andy can't believe it. It's a draw. Hold on, Andy. Well done, <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, that. I Alright, behave yourselves. Actually, Richard, that's the first draw we've ever had on Games Master. Can you believe it? Well, yeah, well, I mean, with a competitor like Andy, I mean, well, from Oxford too, I mean. Well, that's right, let's yeah. talk about Andy. Obviously, um, the Golden Joystick must be one of the first trophies Oxford's had for years. Yeah, it's for a long time, but I have to say, Dominic, I'm sick as a parrot. <laughs> uh, he just wouldn't stand and fight, and so I left myself open, so it was a very lucky draw. <laughs> All right, well, as a result of the first ever draw in Game Master, it means we have two Golden Games Master Joysticks! Which Dominic Diamond calls the first draw in Games Master history, which I'm guessing means they recorded this before the Curly Challenge, because the Curly Challenge yeah, gave us a draw. that's right. And whereas in that draw, no one got a Games Master joystick and Curly didn't get sent home, this time they're much more generous because as it's a draw, they 
both get a joystick? Yeah. So it's nice to know that they did have two of them on set. You know one of those joysticks was given back once they were off screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, I also loved how Andy said he was sick as a parrot after getting off it. I can only imagine, because, like, you know, the virtual boy gives you bloody migraines. That, and you know, the full rig and everything, I'd think I'd be I'd be really bad. Ollie definitely wouldn't have been able to do it if he gets sick playing Mario Kart. Well, you know what? I like games where you can sneak around a bit. I love Dishonored. I love playing the Far Cry games as stealthily as you can. I love a good bow or a crossbow. I hated the crossbow in this game. <laughs> there was a moment of stealth, which is where they were basically playing chicken yeah. behind a column. And yeah, this was a bad challenge. What really sums this challenge up is when, I don't know if whether it was Andy or Richard, but they were firing the crossbow at the other person who isn't moving and you're just watching this crossbow limply fly through the air and fall down in front of the person they were firing it at. I will give this challenge a pass because one, the crowd was shit hot for some reason. Mm -hmm. They were well up on their sugar. And also because technologically speaking, if we're honest... This is one of the more interesting challenges we've seen this season. Complete, right up there absolutely. with the military helicopter simulator. Because this technology is cutting edge. Mm -hmm. It's just a shame it's not better. That's it, yeah. like that, And then that's what I've written in my notes here is that at the time, this is quite groundbreaking, but it doesn't really hold up. And then, yeah, the challenge isn't all that great, unfortunately. But anyway, I thought they might get sent to the pit, but apparently not. They both go away clutching their golden rods. Hello, Games Master. Welcome to the helipad for another batch of bonding. How can I be of assistance? I keep dying on Cratchit on the Mega Drive. Can you help me? I suggest the following. Enter Dracula's castle and proceed until you reach a large pile of barrels. Using the bubblegum blaster, hit the last barrel on the second row and you'll reveal an extra life. If you wish, you can then leave the castle and proceed the process to build up a healthy reserve of lives. Thank you very much, Games Master. The pleasure's mine. Our first kid in the consultation zone is stuck on an absolute belter. It's one of the first games I got for my Mega Drive. It's Quackshot starring Donald Duck, a f***ing brilliant game. He says that he keeps on dying. That's all right, mate. You'll get there eventually. Uh, he says what you need to go is go to Dracula's Castle, where you can find a one-up towards the start of it in one of the barrels. If you exit that, repeat the process. Just rack those one-ups up, mate. This isn't the first time we've had a challenge that's used a uh, level loop exploit. Wasn't the other one DuckTales as well? It was well. DuckTales. It's a Disney thing. It's a Disney thing, clearly. Yeah. Quackshot, I remember appealing to me a lot more than Castle of Illusion. And I think it's because it just had a real Indiana Jones vibe. Yeah. Plus a suction cup gun. Oh, I'm a sucker for one of those. It looks great. It's a great cartoon aesthetic of a device that would never work in real life. Like, I... I mean, I love that game anyway. You know, I've got so many fond memories of playing it. But I will never forget it blowing my mind when you get the red plunger which comes very early on in the game really it's like you get to egypt you get into you go through that tomb you find goofy who gives you the red plunger that can stick to walls and that is how you can then get to the second half of duckburg and all of a sudden the game just completely opens up there's a lot of backtracking in the game it's it's really ahead of its time I just think it's an absolutely brilliant game. Really, really, really cannot rate Quackshot enough. I like Castle Illusion, a bit slow perhaps, but uh, yeah, I just think it's awesome. I can play it every single year to the day I die. I think it's awesome. I think it's great. I think I know what I'm going to be playing when we're done with this recording. <laughs> Hello, Games Master. On World 2-2 on Super Mario Land on the Game Boy, I can see lots of coins beneath me. 
but I can't get to them. What should I be doing? There's more to this problem than meets the eye. Simply step off to your left. If you have faith in my advice, you'll land on an invisible ledge. You can then run right to collect all those seemingly unreachable coins. Have you got that? Thanks. That'll help me a lot. I know. Our second kid is stuck on World 2-2 of Super Mario Land. Well, he's not quite stuck. He sees some coins that are underneath the level and he wants to know how to get them. Games Master says you need to take that leap of faith. And that is how you get to those coins. Lovely little bit of info. I remember hearing this info when this first aired and I remember going and trying it and going, Ah, yeah. I still sucked at Mario Land. I still suck at Mario Land. I'm not going to be going and playing that now. I think the same thing. Either I saw it on this or I read that in a magazine, but I distinctly remember going to try to get those coins and doing the leap of faith. Hello, Games Master. How can I be of assistance? On F-Zero from the Super Nintendo, I have heard there is a shortcut on the Red Canyon 2 course on the King League. Where is it, please? Ah, yes. This one's a hoot. Race boldly along the straight. But instead of turning right at the end, carry straight on and hit the turbo button. You will hit a hidden jump pad and soar over a huge gap. You will bounce from an arrow, which in turn will propel you back onto the track a good few paces up the field. Great, thanks. And our last kid is stuck on F-Zero. He has heard that there's a shortcut on the red course in the King League, and Games Master tells him that's because there's a hidden jump in the barrier. Just head straight for it, and that'll cut off quite a few corners. Good little shortcut, that. Really good little shortcut on a track that is pretty hard as balls. Yeah. F-Zero does have a steep difficulty curve as you get into it. Really? Yeah. Still love the game. Love all the F-Zero games, especially actually the GameCube one, which was the one that paired up with the arcade machine that had the motion in it. Yeah. Which was kind of the reactive thing. And you could take your GameCube memory card and plug it into the arcade machine. I thought that was a, a great idea and... Sadly, the general demise of arcades means that it's just not something that we're going to see anymore, which is such a shame. Yeah, it really is. F-Zero is one of those franchises that's missing from the latest generation of Nintendo consoles. I don't know why that is. You had a release on the Super Nintendo, you had one on the N64 and on the GameCube and the Game Boy Advance, but then we haven't really seen it since. We've seen Captain Falcon appear in games like we hear appear in Smash Brothers, but we haven't had like a Switch version. We didn't get a Wii version of the game. And I don't know why. It just seems to be one of those franchises that Nintendo has sort of forgotten about. With F-Zero, I do wonder if part of it is them going, yeah, but wipe out. Nintendo have always tried to advance their series. You know, like Mario Odyssey is not the same game as Mario Galaxy on the Wii, which is not the same as Mario Sunshine on the GameCube, which is not the same as Mario 64 on the N64, which is not the same, you know, back and forth. And with racing games, you don't have the flexibility to really expand out what it is, because at the end of the day, it is. You race at the start, you try to get to the finish, which is also the start. You can do it with Mario Kart because you can add in flying mechanics or swimming mechanics or whatever the the hell it is and a whole new roster of characters and weapons. But F-Zero is, you drive around the track. And I just wonder, as Nintendo as that sort of company that likes to innovate with their franchises as they move on, just sort of look at F-Zero and be like, that was pretty much perfect bang on. Like that, we got pretty much, we, we did everything we could in the first few tries of that. You know, and the GameCube one, which is the, the last big release we got of that, included that uh, arcade conversion thing. So maybe they're just looking at it and be like, nah, there's not really much else we can do with it. Well, let's get into our final challenge. What are we playing, Games Master? For this evening's last escapade, 
I've opted for an old-fashioned game of pinball on pinball fantasies. I've selected the party level, and contestants have one ball each with which to obtain the highest possible score. I mean, I don't know about you, but I bloody love a pinball game, and this is Pinball Fantasies. This is the party level, and you've got one ball to get the highest score. One ball. One ball. <laughs> I mean, Pinball Fantasies was an Amiga original. It was incredibly popular, and it did translate across. Super Nintendo got a version of it. Even the Game Boy got a version of it. And it's still looked back on very fondly now. I would argue that some of the more modern pinball games we've got, like Pinball Arcade, where you get all the various different real licensed pinball games, those sorts of things wouldn't have existed if this game wasn't remembered so fondly because it captured the essence of pinball so successfully at a time when a lot of pinball games, bar Revenge of the Gator on the Game Boy, were kind of pish. Yeah. I bloody love a pinball game. Me, Devil's Crush for the Mega Drive is a fantastic game. There was a, uh, a Met- oh, that's the one that's like super horror, isn't it? Yeah, and it's- yeah, it's kind of almost HR uh, Giga esque in some of the design elements. It's a really, really cool game. Uh, there was a Metroid pinball game on the DS, I think it was, that which was quite fun. And I am one of those people that will go to bat for Sonic Spinball because it's infuriatingly playable. Uh, so I was actually quite down for this. I thought I was quite interested to see what was going to happen. And interestingly, we've got triplets playing this game for this challenge we've got another one of our family battles so please welcome nino martino and angelo the guardiano triplets <laughs> welcome martino welcome angelo see i've got all the names right all right now have you ever thought of joining in a circus with a name like the guardiano triplets nah, no no that's right it was a stupid question anyway never mind okay listen who do you guys all share the same console and fight over it or have you got a console each no, this one console Nino, Martino and Angelo Godiano. It's triplets. It's not quite Children of the Corn, but it's not far <laughs> off. Now, I need to get something off my chest here because we've always had this thing about when it comes to kids, we don't punch down. Nope. Adults are fair game, you know, because we're adults, they are adults, they're now older adults, it's fine. These three annoyed the absolute piss out of me. <laughs> they just came across as so smug so superior to everything going on around them and like they genuinely had contempt for everyone else in that room. I quite liked the sort of the, not brotherly bond, but they did very much have sort of like some brotherly competitiveness with each other, which I thought was quite good, but they weren't the most dynamic of interviews where like Dominic says, have you ever considered joining the circus as triplets? And they just go, no. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that was a stupid question, I suppose. Um, have you got a console each? He's like, no, we've got one. It just reminded me of Kevin the Teenager, <laughs> the Harry Enfield character. Because there was one moment, and I think it was after the circus question, where one of them legitimately rolled their eyes yeah. at Dominic's question. And I'm like, come on, guys, you clearly applied to be here. Throw yourself into it a bit. Because there are people watching at home that would kill to be in your position. And you just look like you would rather be anywhere but here i've got the feeling when we spoke to doug jones back in episode one of this series run where he was talking about the audition process and said that you know if you were if you were a woman you basically definitely got on this feels like one of the cases that they're triplets they definitely were going to get onto this show regardless of what they were like on camera regardless of how good they were at games they were guaranteed to actually get on this show 
because of the uniqueness of them being triplets. Yeah, and they weren't quite identical, but they were very close. Yeah. Even down to all three of them having braces, which I'm... That's a pricey old bill, that. Yeah, I tell you, we wouldn't get that in America. They'd have to take turns. <laughs> Private healthcare with that. <laughs> I'm joined by Dave Perry from Super Pro. Welcome, Dave. Hi, Dominic. Now, Dave, any tips for the triplets here? Well, they've only got one ball each, so there are two ways they can play it. They can either go for all the big bonuses and hope to blow the others away, or just go for the simple points and hope that the others make mistakes. But I may not like the triplets. Sorry, guys, if you somehow hear this and take offence. <laughs> there is something super important about this challenge that we need to address, because in the commentary box, oh my God, in everything but name, we've got a games animal, Luke. This is, this is Dave Perry basically in his final form like it's as close as damn it as you say he's just missing the name and i one was certain we're not gonna get that pure final form of dave perry until series three like i think that is when he's gonna be coming to his is really his tippy top form but this is this is basically it now this is the bandana this is the leather jacket and bloody hell i think he's shirtless <laughs> i think he's going skin on cow skin with this one which is a Bold, bold move to do in a disused water pump. Sorry, oil rig. I've got written here, Dave Perry is in the booth wearing a leather jacket and a bandana. <gasps> is this it? <laughs> I was on tenders waiting for them to say the name. It was a it was a bit of a ruined orgasm, that one. It was just kind of like, uh, 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 uh. Well, Martino is up first. Speaking of ruined orgasms, Martino is up first. <laughs> and- <laughs> Martino is up first. Uh, this is this is impossible to take notes on. He gets 191,880 points. Uh, he got a few bits and bobs, but didn't trigger anything to really rack up the huge amounts of points. Like he missed the big millionth, million point thing at the start. Kind of just sort of hits. He basically just bounces this ball around a pinball machine, but doesn't actually do any of the cool stuff on a pinball machine. He plays pinball like a kid plays pinball. He doesn't try and follow the story because there are escalation points in most pinball tables, be they virtual or physical. He doesn't try and progress the multipliers. He doesn't try and activate the special features. He just spangs the ball around, which at that point in time is what most of us would do. Yeah. This is a great game. And I'll be honest, I don't think we were ever going to get a truly superb challenge out of any kit on this game. Unless it was like, do you remember like in back in series one when we had Brat? And the kid that played that knew Brat, and he was really, really good at that game, but he just made that one slight error. What this needed was someone who loved pinball fantasies and knew the game and knew how to rack up the big amount of points. That was the best way to make this challenge work. This needed a video gaming Tommy. Yeah. Maybe with a video gaming Elton John to take on. Yeah. But no, it needed someone for whom this was their lifeblood. This was their reason for existing. Like the guy that did Brat. Like the guy we had doing Lemmings. Yeah, totally. Or even like the guys playing pool or snooker the time before. Or even like Paul Turner. It needed someone that had had a little bit of swagger to their walk with the game. That they could say that they knew it inside out. But what we get is we get Martino. He pings the ball around. And ends his run with 191,880 points. Yeah. 
That's okay. There's nothing really to compare it to. No, but then Nino's up next. He also misses the big million point flipper, hits a big loop, which gets him 250,000 points, hits a duck. He's out. 338,150 points. He was on that table for about half as long as his brother was, but got nearly double the points. He just managed to get into a nice couple of bumper ricochets. He managed to sink the ball a couple of times, hit a few spinners, but it wasn't with any degree of tactics. No. It wasn't with any degree of plan. Up last, it's Angelo. Now, this apparently is the favourite. He's the best player of the trio, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. That's a key word here, apparently. Because he doesn't score less than the other two, but he doesn't score much more than Martino. He makes the same sorts of mistakes all of them have made. He does just ping the ball around a bit. And he does, I think, what a lot of us have done on pinball games, which is you mistime the flipper and rather than bouncing the ball up, you actually slam it down yeah. into the void. So I felt for him a little on that one because I've made that mistake a lot of times. I still do. But yeah, you're right. Like he biffs it quite early on, doesn't really get much, uh, but still manages to beat his brother, uh, the, you know, the first brother that is. And he ends with 195,630 points. So really, Martino was on the board for the longest and racked up the least points. Again, we're back to the whole not playing with any degree of tactics, which is a yeah. definite indicator of what happens when you just get kids to play a game that they've maybe only seen that day, especially if they only had a single console at home and didn't have an Amiga. Okay, let's quiet it down a bit. Listen, well done, all three. You did very well. Let's start off with you, Martino. You were first. 191,000. That was quite a good score. Were you pleased with it? Yeah, well, I could have done better, but you know I mean, that's life. That, that is like you're very wise for such a young man there. All right, then. Who was next up then? It was you. Nino, you were our winner eventually. Was it easy to beat your brothers? I knew at the end of the day I'll come, I'll come out the winner, you know. All right, have you got anything to say about that, Angelo? I thought you were going to push him quite hard, though. You were the one who said you were the best player. I'm uh, really upset. <laughs> You're gutted. Yeah, gutted. It's interesting. The crowd sound like they're booing Nino for winning. Like this very hot crowd that we've had all night. And they interview Martino, who says that he thinks he could have done better, but that's just life. Nino says he knew he'd win. Angelo is really upset and gutted that he lost. Nino gets a joystick. I love it when Martino says, I could have done better, but you know what I mean? That's life. And Dominic's response is, You're very wise for such a young man. <laughs> But yeah, Angelo almost refuses to make eye contact. He, yeah. I couldn't work out if he was upset or bored. I figured because they bigged him up as like, you know, he was the one that he was the best player of the three. He'd probably been bragging about that all day long, that he was the best player. To then go out there and just, you know, biff it and not do particularly great. You are just going to be like, oh man, I've now done this and it's going to go out on TV. My mates are going to see this and they're probably going to take the piss out of me. Or even just his brothers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's got to go home with it. Well, the dinner gong brings another show to an earth-shattering climax. I've got no time for any supper tonight, I'm afraid. I've got to catch a chopper to Birmingham for the three-day extravaganza that is Games Master Live. Unfortunately, you miss out on the fun because they've refused you entry. Story of my life. Good night. The diver comes up, but when the diver comes up, we get a brief glimpse of Auntie M. She's there loitering is she, I in the that. shadows. Oh, yeah, she, she's hanging out there. So I'm wondering if she was also in town that day to do the granny fight challenge. Maybe. I mean, she's certainly not in the kitchen because Dominic Diamond has said there's no time for food. He's got to catch a chopper and get to Birmingham for Games Master Live. The diver, sadly, has been refused entry. Um, so that is that means next week it's Games Master Live. It is, but by God, that diver looks so sad. <laughs> Some good acting on that diver. Especially through, you know, a diving suit. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not an easy thing to emote 
from. But the slumped shoulders and the hanging of the head... Yeah, I felt bad for the diver. So that was episode 10 of series two. What did you make of it? Two challenges were interesting to see, if not perfect, in execution. It was nice to get an early glimpse of Mario Kart, particularly if, as we believe, it may have been a pre-production version. Again, virtual reality still in its very early stages. It was nice to see a bit of that, even if the gameplay wasn't amazing. But the last challenge was underwhelming. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd have actually rather seen the three of them have a little bit of a death match on Mario Kart. If it could have supported it, that could have been a lot more fun. The review section was underwhelming. There was no feature. Normally, we go into an episode being quite down on it, and then by the end, we change our minds. I'm actually looking at the notes I made regarding my ending thoughts on this episode, and I'm thinking, did I hit my head? Because <laughs> I'm being quite positive on this episode, and now we've just talked through it. I'm thinking... This episode's actually kind of crap. I don't think it's... You know, that episode eight, we, we said, was a really bad episode. That was... I think it's lowest score we've certainly given it in series two. I don't know if it's quite that bad. And I think that comes down to the fact that there was quite the thrill of seeing Super Mario Kart and seeing that virtual reality thing, shonky as it was. And the crowd were hot. Super into it. But yeah, I didn't really get on with the review zone. Didn't really do a lot for me because I'm not that big on driving games. The final challenge wasn't great. And I think I'm going to give it some bonus points for featuring quack shots. I think that that's, that's, a, that's a high point for me. I don't have the same affinity for quack shot. I think I'm going to give it 70%. Oh, okay. I was actually going lower. I was, good. I was at 65 for, for mine. In fact, you know what? I'm going to bump it up to 69. See, I didn't want to give it 69. I didn't feel it deserved <laughs> the 69 nice. It gets an extra 1% purely out of spite. <laughs> well, I'm giving it the 69 nice because of Quackshot. That's fair. So technically, it loses a percent, but therefore becomes better. Yes. Yeah, okay, I can work with that. That's <laughs> yeah. fine. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode thank you all so much for joining us please do give us a rating and review if you're listening to this for the first time subscribe to this podcast wherever you find it find us on the old socials we're on twitter at underconsolepod, on instagram at under.console and we've also got a patreon where you can back us at the five pound level and you'll get next week's episode a week early and ad free also you can find us on discord because we're old and we don't know what we're doing, so come along and tell us what we're doing wrong. You can find details of the Discord on our various social media platforms. There's at least one or two different links. Pick mine, because then I means I get more people added to the server on my link than Luke does, and I feel better about myself. There's also a link in the show notes, but that's my link, so use that one. Use the one on Twitter, it's mine. <laughs> And if you back us at the £10 level on Patreon, you will get a super awesome merch pack. We really, really appreciate everyone who has supported us uh, on Patreon, has just supported this podcast. Even you just listening to it is support, and we bloody love you for it. Indeed. Well, we are going to be taking a little break from Games Master next week, at least in terms of the uh, episode order, because it's a bonus episode where we're going to be talking about Games Master Live. We're going to be hearing from you, the listeners, about your memories of going there. We have got people who were there at the show. We've got people who were working at the show. We've got some tales to be told in next week's bonus episode. I'm looking forward to that. I'm also looking forward to hearing other people's takes because... Yeah, I'm still bitter about The Simpsons for the Game Boy. Well, we'll hear all about that on next week's show. We'll see you in seven days. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Good night.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.